Hello, and welcome to season four of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard, pivoted out of campus-based positions, hold senior-level positions in organizations, and love it. What started as an idea that they thought might benefit a few is clearly filling a need across the nation with education professionals during the Great Resignation. Jamie and Tom are excited to be back for another season with over 25,000 downloads across our first three seasons. So have a seat or take a walk. However you listen to podcasts and get ready for ideas and inspiration. And if you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Studdard. And we are joined today by John Broska. Did I pronounce your name correctly or is it Broska? It's Broska, yes. Oh, see, I should have asked you ahead of time. Fail no, for me. I've been uh, much worse. <laughs> okay, well, John Broska, um, who is going to share his pivot with us, and um, we actually connected a bit on LinkedIn a bit ago, and then, um, although the company will remain nameless, we actually sort of landed, work, I landed working at, at the same company as John in a very different div- division, but um, it just definitely highlighted uh, for me, a an area that we haven't really dug into, it's kind of unique with which um, folks could pivot into, and that's the finance industry. So, John, thank you so much for your willingness to join us today. And we would love to have you get started by first sharing um, what, what were you doing in your campus-based positions and um, what sort of led to your pivot and what are you doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for having me today. So um, I spent my entire career in the world of campus recreation. So um, I went to the University of Central Florida, did my undergrad in business, got to school, had no idea what I wanted to do, and ended up stumbling upon intramural basketball night and walked in. And I had done a little bit of refereeing when I was a kid um, to volunteer and had stumbled upon this and was like, hey, this is gonna end up being a good part-time job for me. And went and talked to the person in charge. They happened to be in charge of the entire sport, hired me the next day. Um, I became a a sport official and then a supervisor, had an opportunity to get a graduate assistantship uh, working for campus recreation. So got my master's degree in higher education. Still really didn't have much of an idea what the world was gonna be like after college and found out, hey, that can be a career for me. So did some applications and uh, ended up landing my first job in campus recreation at the George Washington University up in DC. Had a great experience up there and then came down to the University of Florida and worked for about 16 years uh, in charge of the intramural sports, sport clubs and athletic training program. Uh, It was an amazing experience getting to work with hundreds of students and really helping them grow and develop, working with professional staff, working with clubs, and and really getting to make a positive difference in the lives of others. That's great. So it's so funny to me that one of your positions is at the University of Florida. I'm wondering if we met at one point because 
I actually interviewed at the University of Florida many years ago, and I think you were even there when I when, uh, it was for an orientation director position. I ended up not taking the role, but uh, it's interesting that you were at the University of Florida, and also Jamie was at the University of Florida as an intern at one point. So just sort of sort of interesting sort of parallels there. It's a small world we live in, isn't it? It really well, student affairs for sure. Like I feel like you know I could like throw a rock into a into a a group of you know people from student affairs and it would hit at least five or 10 people that I knew. So um, it's always interesting to me uh, how small that the world of higher education and student affairs is. So, um, well, thanks for sharing sort of the background, but as Jamie indicated, you're, you're currently in finance. You're our first person who's pivoted into finance. So I think that there's going to be some folks who are interested and excited to hear a little bit about your current role, what it is that you do, um, what's your day-to-day -day like? And then particularly, what, how would somebody go about being successful in this role if they are pivoting from higher education or student affairs? Yeah, absolutely. So I serve as a financial advisor. So I work for a company and our job is, uh, in my opinion, on the global level, it's to continue making a positive difference in the lives of others. Um, you know, on a micro level, we're talking about getting to know our clients and people that we'd like to work with what's important to them and why it's important to them. And then we figure out these tailored solutions for how to get them in their goals from point A to point B, which for a lot of people, it send, ends up being retirement savings based things. And then for some older individuals, it's living in retirement. It could be education savings, um, building a legacy, emergency savings. There's a lot of different things that you can do to help people. So what I like to tell people about the job is, a person walks in with this box of puzzle pieces and they don't quite know what the puzzle is supposed to look like and they might not have all the pieces. And my job is to help spread out all the pieces, figure out how they connect and fill in the gaps and help them see what the picture looks like. And you know, for some people it might be they're missing life insurance. For some, they need additional retirement plans. You know, For some it's they're looking for certain products for short-term savings. And, and I get to look at each individual, work with them differently and figure out how to add value to their financial lives. And there's something really intrinsically valuable, you know, about that to me in, in what I do. So, you know, for somebody that would have an interest in that, and, and you know, a lot of people will go, well, hey, I've never been involved in finance. I don't know the stock market. Like I can't do that. Well, the reality is, and not every firm operates the same way with this, but during my hiring process, they were actually looking for people who had master's degrees, who had a lot of years of life experience and weren't just coming right out of fresh out of college, starting to become a financial advisor. Um, my old director at the University of Florida used to say, you hire the person and you teach the skills. And I think that rings true in, in this type of job because you have to know how to communicate with people. You have to know how to listen. You have to know how to empathize, troubleshoot, problem solve. And, and you never know what's coming in the door. There might be something thrown at you and you're like, I don't know what to do. So, you know, when you talk about skills that, that can transfer over for somebody and think about the different things that we would do in the student affairs world and we problem solve with students. We help develop them. We set goals. We get them ready for the next stage of life. You may work through budgets in those current jobs. So there's so many of those transferable skills that can get you from that role in, in higher ed 
to another role like financial advising. Now, granted, you, you probably need to like the world of finance. Uh, I'm not sitting here doing calculations all day or anything, but you know, it, it probably wouldn't be your cup of tea if you were sitting here doing this all day and not liking money, you know, at least money-related topics at all. Um, but I think there are a lot more people that could pivot to this type of, of sector uh, than maybe give it credit for. I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because one of the things that I have posted in sort of the expatriates group uh, in Facebook is um, positions that may not seem the norm, right? Uh, and, and finance is one of those. And I usually get responses when I talk about finance, finance positions of, no, you need to be certified or no, you need to have specific training or no, you need to X, fill in the blank. Uh, and so I'm really glad to hear you say that. I guess I'm curious, like rec sports to finance, does it feel like a natural path? So maybe you can talk a little bit about other than sort of, you know, getting the experience of working with budgets and in a position in higher ed, like what drew you to that and what ultimately is making you successful? Did you, did you have to take a few extra courses, like maybe LinkedIn courses or certifications or sort of how did you make sure that you were ready? I, I know you have a, an undergrad degree in business, but what made you ready for this position coming from rec sports? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's good that you mentioned the part about certifications and courses and so forth. The company that I work for, as part of hiring me, they paid me to train and get certified with all the licenses that I need for selling securities, life insurance, and annuities, plus all of the company-specific training. So I can't say that every company is like that, but I can say that my company was like that, which I thought was very important that they would invest uh, that time and, and resource um, into my own growth and development. Um, really, the things that I tell people about the world that I do is there's just a small portion of it that is about the money itself and the selection of investments and that type of thing. Um, it's so much about listening to people and figuring out what their needs are and helping them problem solve. I don't know where to get this. How can you help me find what I need? And, you know, in our world of student affairs, higher ed, how many times do we go through our day where a student would come in and ask a question? I need this. I don't know where to find this. What do I do? And that's no different than what I do now. I'm just speaking a slightly different language when I go looking for those things. So, you know, I feel like student affairs is built for roles like this, where your job is to serve others and, and help fill in the gaps for them. Because that's what we did on a day-to-day -day basis in higher ed. I love that connection that you made. And I mean, transparently, I work in the uh, learning and development sector of the same company that John works at. And, and we seek to facilitate the training for folks like him. And I'm pretty much brand new, so I can't say much more than that anyway. But um I can't say that I've stopped and really thought that much about your role in the way that you described it. And it, it gives it a, a really great different lens for me, um, but also just so cool to make the connections of the people skills being really the leading um, element. So, so that's fantastic. And how did you um, sort of find out about this as, as a, an avenue that you could take? Yeah, so I was probably one of the many people that had been involved conceptually in the great resignation and great pivot, whatever kind of phrasing you would use. Um, you know, I got to 2020 and, and I loved my time at the University of Florida. I will not speak in ill will about them at all. Um, 
I was in a case where I had been doing the same type of job for 20 years of my life and had to make the decision to say, do I want to keep doing this exact same type of thing for the next 10, 15, 20 years? And if I'm not, I better change now because the longer I stay, the less likely I am to actually make a pivot. I'm going to get more comfortable. I'm going to get more autopiloted on the job and I'll be here and I'll be one of those lifers. And, and I just, I didn't want to do that. So um, during the pandemic had stumbled upon the job, actually had a friend that I knew from my undergrad days that works for the same company, um, had seen the job, got some information from him uh, and really liked what I heard about the culture of the company, kind of the direction of where they're at and where they're going uh, and that it would align with my values. I, I thought that was really important, um, leaving something, the only thing I've known for the last 20 years. So went through the process, it was pretty extensive. Um, I was not one of the people who just quit out of nowhere without a job. I, I you know, with a family, I could not have done that type of, uh, you know, jumping without a safety net kind of a change, but went through the process. It was a pretty extensive process, um, somewhere between four and six months. Um, so there was a lot of time and effort that went along to it. Uh, you know, and some people kind of laughed at that idea that why would it take so long for them to hire you? And I looked at it as, well, if they're going to take that much time and effort to want to get to know me and make sure I'm the right fit, they probably think I'm going to be successful at this. So I'm, I, I'm, it makes me want to jump in head first. So went through the process, um, got the opportunity, did things the right way with my previous employer, giving plenty of time, having lots of time to set up the SOPs and, and, and try to leave them on good footing. And I still communicate with them all the time. Heck, my office is about a mile and a half from my old office. So, um, you know, I have lunch with them on a constant basis and, uh, and maintain good relationships with them as well. John, what I love about what you just said is that that last statement, right, is, you know, we see so many folks that are just like, like, running away from their campus-based position. And, and I think Jamie and I were in the same boat. Like I left higher ed because I didn't want to be a vice president for student affairs, right? It wasn't because I hated what I did. In fact, I loved what I did. I loved being in charge of an orientation program. Um, and so I think it's important for our listeners to hear that you can love being in your campus-based position. And also at the same time, love the fact that you're ready to move on to the next chapter of your life and your career. And it's, and those two things can be can both be true versus I hate my job and I have to leave um, or I love my job and I, I will never leave right it's uh, it, it can both of those can be true and so I really appreciate your honesty there and the ability for our listeners to hear that um, I would I was hoping you could tell me you know you've, you've given a little bit of a hint of this with the soft skills and a little bit of sort of the desire to understand sort of money a little bit and then obviously you went through the certifications that your employer paid for which I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm wondering if you could narrow it down to like three skills that if I'm in a campus-based position and I'm thinking financial advisor or the world that that exists in, whether it's at the company you're at or sort of more broadly, what are the three skills that if I'm on my, in my college campus position now or my campus-based position now, I should be really focused on developing? Yeah, that's a great question. Three specific skills that that I would really target in for somebody that could be successful in this in this part of the world, so to speak. Um, the the problem solving, I think, is a really important thing. There is an analytical side to you see a bunch of things, you've got to figure out how they fit together, you know, and get things kind of going. Um, having the ability to think long term with people 
and help them see the big picture. Um, you know, you get a lot of people, especially in, in this world where the last six months have been a great example of it, where the, the markets have not been where you'd like them to be. This is one of those disappointing, you know, stretches and people have emotional reactions to that. So, so maybe the answer to that is, is emotional intelligence, um, you know, whatever phrase you'd want to use for that, but the ability to, to, to empathize with somebody, talk them through the situation and, and be able to say at the end, things are going to be okay. I know they don't look great right now. Things are going to be okay. Um, the last part I'd say specifically with this, um, it, time management is a really fascinating part of this job. Uh, this is unlike anything I've ever done before. So I'm in an office by myself or with one administrator. And I came from an office that there were 20 so professionals and students walking in and out every day. Um, the ability to block in my time and stick to it and figure out what I need to focus on for an hour at a time or 45 minutes at a time, because otherwise it is easy to stay focused on one thing for longer than you need to. And I have to balance continuing education, reaching out to current clients, trying to find existing clients, um, research on things that I've, I've had from client meetings, um, going to networking events themselves, being out of the office for family, taking time for myself. Um, and it's easy to miss those things if I don't put them in and adhere to good time blocking skills. Those are fantastic. And, and particularly that last one where I think you rolled in a few additional skills to um, beyond sort of the time management. So I appreciate that. Before Jamie asks the last question, I just want to say I'm one of those people that's sort of suffering as I watch the stock market because most of my stock is wrapped up in the company that I work for. And while it's getting better, it's been slowly just going down. And I just watched my retirement go further and further down. So <laughs> I'm praying that that turns around. <laughs> Things will be okay. I know. I know. Everybody says that, but you know, there is that moment where you're like, okay, well, there goes early retirement. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the questions I'll ask people when, when we have conversations about money is what has your, how has your past experience with money shaped the way you view it now? And that can be a good indicator for people to help think about because money is there's so much psychology in the job that I do trying to help people understand what's going on and why people who have a million dollars who are afraid of losing a thousand dollars and can't explain why. And you talk through things with them and you help them understand that things are going to be okay. And that there's a way for you to get through this without obsessing every day about my money is going down $5 or it just went up $10. That means it's a great day. The, the, the talk about the forest through the trees when it comes to money is, is so important. Even if you don't get into the world of financial advising, um, you can't focus your time on any one day on what's going on in a particular account. They're not built to be day by day. If, if you care that much about a day by day, you should be a day trader and do stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. These are long-term investments that are gonna be there for you when you're ready to retire. Great advice. You sound like my financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I know. It makes me want to be like, hey, I need to make a financial decision. I actually do. I was going to pull LinkedIn. Do you think I should pay? You don't have to answer this. I have to decide very soon. Speaking of the stock market, if I want to buy my options from my last company, because it is not yet public. So the question is, you do you buy this? And then it becomes 
it could become nothing or it could become a lot, like a lot, a lot more than paying off my student loans a lot. (laughs) I suppose you probably don't make those kinds of decisions for people, do you? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what we will do in those situations is I feel like my job is to help provide both sides of the coin give the information to help the person make the best decision because ultimately it's not my money. It is, it is your money. It is their money. So I can tell you pros and cons of doing those things, but ultimately you're going to have to lay your head on the pillow and be comfortable with those decisions. Cause I don't want you to call me every five minutes going, Oh my God, it went down 10 more dollars. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? So if, yeah. if I don't provide you both sides of the coin there, you're going to blame me for just giving you the rosy side of things. And I, yeah. I don't think that's doing the best interest of the client by doing that. Absolutely. Well, I think Tom and I are both um, super pleasantly surprised about how um, informative this has been. And I think actually may end up being something that people really do now consider as a result of listening to this podcast. And maybe it's because like, I don't know, finance and student affairs seem almost like opposites. The way that you described it really shows the the connectivity. It was great. Um, That said, we would love to have you share if, you know, you're sort of, uh, if you were riding on an elevator with a student affairs professional, what bit of advice would you give them about approaching their pivot, especially if they want to go into finance? Yep. I'd say, first thing, hone in on the things that you really like about your current job. So not just, I like working with students. That's that's at the top. You need to go deeper than that. What are the things? Is it the problem solving part of things? Is it the empathizing and communicating part? Like, what is it? And that will really help hone what you would like to pivot to. Second thing I would say is, you've got to believe your own your own material. We sit and tell students about transferable skills all day long in our job and how we teach and train them for their futures and get them prepared for things. Our skills transfer too. You've got to believe that the things that you've been doing, they're not going to directly transfer because you're not staying in student affairs. But there are things that you do on a day-to-day basis that will 100% transfer outside of student affairs. And you just have to believe the hype. Because otherwise, what have you been doing for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years? The last piece of advice is something that a friend of mine in the private sector gave me that I will never forget. When I was telling him about my my pivot out, he said, well, hey, and it's just nonchalantly. Hey, if you don't like it, you can just do it for three years and try something else. And it's it was so simple yet profound to me as somebody who had only known the higher education world that if I didn't like this, I could just try something different. Full disclosure, I absolutely love my job. But if I didn't, I try it until I decide it's not for me. And then I try something else. It's not that big of a deal. It's It doesn't have to be your life. Your job is not your life. Wow, that is a great way to sum it up. Uh, if you don't like it, you can just try something different, which is very much the opposite of sort of how we are conditioned in higher education and student affairs. Um, I also really like believe in your own hype uh, and to know that what we tell students every day, we can also do. So um, great advice from our guests. Thank you, John, so much for joining us today. What a great episode filled with such great advice. Um, And maybe uh, if you're interested in in, in talking to John, financial advice someday too. Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners out there. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today with John Broska. Check back next week for another episode of Pivoting Out of EDU. 
Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. In addition to our podcast, we offer various ways to get support as you work through your career transition, including digital resources, one-to-one consulting, group workshops, and cohort-based blended learning experiences. For more information about these services and show notes, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. And if you haven't done so already, join our LinkedIn group called EDU Pivoters, where we share job opportunities and foster engagement between those who have pivoted and those who want to pivot. 